Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, recording from the Unscripted Studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted from my basement. Corby, thank you for my intro on the audio as always. And uh, very soon we will be at the junction in Old Hilliard. And speaking of Hilliard, uh, one of uh, really one of our own and one of a a story that is just amazing. I can't wait to share with you guys. Um, So let me let me do some introduction stuff. Um, My guest today, she is a servant of God because he rescued her. Um, And this is directly from her website. Um, By the time she was 17, she had gone through or I'm sorry, lived through five divorces by two parents, one being an alcoholic and one having an affair. Uh, she didn't grow up fans, you know, facing financial poverty, but in a home that was filled with chaos and pain. Um, God rescued her, and He did not forget her. and And I can't wait for her to share her story today. Um, I'm going to stop it right there. I'm just going to stop because I'm not good at reading. And your bio is amazing, and your website's amazing. And Kim, you are amazing. Let me introduce my guest today, Kim Emch from Festa. And we're going to talk about all this, right? Kim, why don't you introduce yourself? Let let my audience know who you are. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I I always say I'm a child of God first, and I'm a mom. I have two adult, uh, beautiful children that I adore, a a daughter, Lydia, and a son, Jared. I've been married for over 27 years to my husband, Scott. And of course, that's where I start. Those are uh, my closest loved ones. And uh, and Hilliard has been my home, my whole adult life. I grew up, I've lived in Ohio my whole life, grew up in Northwest Ohio, and came to Columbus to go to college. I'd go, I went to Capitol Christian College. Again, God, God called me there <laughs> and uh, uh, really blossomed there and had a heart from the time that my stepfather took me to Christian church. Uh, I didn't grow up as a Christian. My stepfather took us to the Christian church, and that's where I met God. And Um, That's where I got loved radically by a community of believers. And uh, those people poured into exactly what you said. They poured into me and uh, showed me a whole nother way of thinking and seeing the world like God sees it. And God really lit a fire in my heart uh, for service, for expressing my faith with my hands and my feet. Uh, to people and loving them in a radical way that uh, the way he's loved me and expressing that out with my hands and feet. So uh, I come from that background in uh, when I was in high school, actually, in that youth group of that church. Again, I just thought they were really nice people. I learned later. It was <laughs> but um, but they, they took us on a mission trip to the Appalachia and we had to raise money, bring tools, sleep in an unair conditioned school, concrete floor for a week. And uh, I'm, I'm standing on the rooftop tarring uh, a, a coal miner's uh, roof while he stands in front of me with oxygen in his nose. And it's about 110 in a valley in Appalachia. And I had this moment with the Lord of, um, you know, I think I'm serving him. And he's standing down there praying for me. Mm. Thought like, Wow, this, right. this service thing isn't one side. It isn't one directional. Right. It's right. multi-directional. Everyone has needs, and some are more visible, some are less visible. 
But when we all come together for Christ, God meets those needs. And um, he spurred that in me very young. And we went on to go home and say like, gosh, we could do anything. We, we're just like on fire for the Lord and service. And uh, we started looking around our community to see what the needs were there. And we realized um, this was in 1986, that 1985-86, that there were teenagers in our town who really just needed someone to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Healthwise, they were struggling and didn't have anyone to listen. So we started a teen crisis telephone line, the first in the country. Wow. Teen line. We found out later in California group did the same thing, called it the same thing. Isn't that amazing? But uh, we didn't have the internet back then, so we didn't find each other till later. But so we teen crisis telephone line. Again, I felt like any need there is, I could meet it. Like with God, we could do whatever we want to do. We just had this mentality of like no one could stop us. So Mm -hmm. people call that a social enterprise, social justice, entrepreneurial spirit. (laughs) But I feel like I've had it since I became a Christian at heart. And so fast forward. Uh, in 2006, my father passed away and, uh, I had a friend who was completely unchurched and she said, uh, her mom died. She said, what do you think happens when someone dies? So we started having like big conversations about life and death. And, uh, we went to this, I invited her to this Christian class called alpha, just a what's God all about kind of class. Mm-hmm. Uh, We went together and there is where uh, on March um, 3rd of 2007, I went to a Holy Spirit retreat and I prayed that day because I had known the Lord since middle school and they challenged me like, why don't you pray and ask God to light your heart on fire in a whole new way? And I thought, okay, that's pretty exciting. (laughs) I thought I've prayed a lot of different ways, but I've never prayed. (laughs) And so I, I took the challenge. I prayed like that. And I didn't feel any different. And the next day I didn't feel any different. (laughs) And 11 days later, I learned that where I'd been living as an adult, again, raising my children, Hilliard, Ohio, I learned that there were 2,158 children in my town, suburbia, who were in poverty. They got a free or reduced school lunch. And I was shocked, blown away, honestly, I was sitting actually where I'm sitting right now at the wooden desk desk at my house when I learned that number and um, God instantly lit my heart on fire to do two things. One, love, serve, and feed them, body, mind, and spirit, and two, bring the community with me. I didn't know what Mm. these two things meant, but I just found myself weeping and uh, uh, fast forward, started a free summer lunch camp in suburbia, which again, unheard of. I mean, those happen in urban cities. But uh, no one knew that poverty was shifting in the United States to the first and second ring suburbs. I learned that that those days, but I've been exclaiming that statistic for 14 years. And people today are still shocked and surprised by that. Right. Ton there to unpack. <laughs> um, the first thing I, I so I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a Christian home as well. And, and um, I served in Appalachia way back in the day. What I wanted to tell you out of that is I, I too roofed, I think. I, I remember doing tar and roofing and yeah. laughing with my parents because we, and I don't even remember how old I was, but what I remember is, you know, that, that, that was a spark and then it burned out for me. You know, I went to college, I went to, um, I went on and did my things and did, did life and, and that spark did not continue to burn. What I'm so amazed by for you is that 
that that that little spark back when you talked about it has continued to not only burn, but now it is literally it is a it is a bonfire uh, that you are doing major things. So for that, I want to I want to congratulate you because, like I said, my life kind of up and down on the on the stock market, you know, uh, lines, but. For me, Appalachia, it, it it lit a fire in me. It didn't burn forever. So for that, that's that's incredibly powerful. But the second thing I want to say is, like you mentioned this, um, we we talk about. There's a Mercy Me song called talks about bring the rain. That's a very dangerous prayer to pray. <laughs> you know, um, Jesus, I'll, you know, I'll just whatever, bring the rain. I'm I'm good. You know, bring and I'm destroying this song right now. Sorry, got to my guys at Mercy Me, but. Um, but, you know, bring the rain is a really, really difficult prayer to pray. Like, yeah. I'm going to worship you in the sun and I'm going to worship you when it is storming. Bring yeah. the rain, Jesus. Well, that you better be careful because that's a really dangerous prayer to pray. And you prayed that essentially is what I think what you said. You you said, hey, bring it on. And, and you have not only weathered, pardon the pun, but you, you not only have weathered the storm, but you're making a significant influence in our city. And then the last thing I want to t- say real quick is I think every year I live in Hilliard as well. And, and you and I were just talking offline. Um, my goal is to make Hilliard famous because it's an amazing city. It is so mm-hmm. awesome. And we're so blessed to have ministries like yourself that, that do. We have a great community. We've raised our kids here. You mm-hmm. and I both have. Um, but, you know, I think every year when you go to the parade, you're like, wow, there's a lot of people that live in Hilliard. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I think we see outside our front porch, which none of, none of us have por- porches anymore. But if we did, all we see is our little sphere of influence. We don't see Hilliard's a big city and there are mm-hmm. needs. And this is just Hilliard, USA. It could be any other city, USA, I think is probably what we'll unpack in a minute. But I, I think that's what I want to say is. You know, we we only see as far as our lens will allow us to see in our city, but just go to a gathering when the city all comes together, like a 4th of July parade, which will be this weekend. And I don't know when people hear this, but a 4th of July parade and you go, wow, this this is a really big city. And there's a really lot of people here that I didn't realize live in our town. Mm-hmm. I'll kick it back to you because 2158, yeah. as you said. 2,158 kids that needed a service that you all provide. So let me, let me go back to you and stop talking because it's, it's your platform. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, poverty in our country is shifting. It is literally a population shift across the United States of America of wealth and the switch over of that. So people in poverty uh, um, have been in the urban demographic in big cities, mainly and since uh, 2005, Brookings Institute did a study that showed for the first time, and you know, our country's young, we haven't been around that long, in the first time in our country's history that there were actually more people living in poverty in a suburban city than in an urban setting. Wow. Remember 2005, it's 2021. Right. Today, there are 3,774 children getting a free or reduced lunch in the Hilliard City School District, the eighth largest school district in the state of Ohio. So those numbers, if you go to Dublin, Gahanna, Westerville, New Albany has a food pantry. I mean, this is not, uh, we taught Upper Arlington how to do free lunch last summer. We've taught Dublin, uh, Gahanna, Westerville, uh, Worthington, um, uh, um, Olentangy, Powell. 
Um, so again, this isn't just a Hilliard situation, but certain people don't know. They've been raising their families. They've been raise, um, climbing the corporate ladder. They didn't realize who their neighbors were. And more and more people, in fact, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit last spring, I had, um, it, 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 it was one of the most inspiring moments in this ministry for me. Because all of a sudden, for the first time ever, people started saying, what is going to happen with school out to the children who get a free lunch? Yes. And I was like crying with joy and happiness because prior to that moment, again, about March of 2020, from um, March of 2007 to March of 2020, I spent, I can honestly say, 50% of my time trying to convince people that there was a need oh. children facing poverty in their town, mm -hmm. the other 50% of the time talking about, so now what could we do? How could we together help children out of poverty? This generation, not live better in it, but literally escape it, get out of it. Yeah. That's my objective. That's my goal. Um, and, and that was exhausting. The first 50% is downright exhausting after 14 years, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. And in moment of March 2020 with COVID-19, when people, the average person in suburbia asking like, uh-oh, what about the children who get a free lunch? Right. There, what's going to happen to them? I was like, thank you, Jesus. People get it for the first time in all the years I've been doing this. So from then till now, it's been um, so encouraging because now I can spend 100% of my time saying, okay, now what do we want to do about that? In mm -hmm convincing people that there was actually even a problem. So that's the good news of uh, that shift. Um, people really do understand more now than ever that there are children in poverty in their town and a free and reduced lunch is an indicator that the family is facing poverty if the child qualifies for that resource, um, which is the second best way we feed people in this country. The first is uh, food stamps, obviously. But school free and reduced lunch is the second best way that we feed people in this country. It, it's a great program. It's breakfast and lunch. Right. The problem is it's only nine months of the year. Right. right. Children, humans like to eat every day, 365 days of the year. <laughs> we prefer to not take a three-month hiatus. Yeah. So, um, so that is where the, the biggest food insecurity in our country, bar none, is children in the summer across the country. Because again, the second best program stops that, that feed schools, schools, they stop, yeah. they stop school. And so that's where we step in, in the summer, step into that food insecurity and make sure the children have a healthy breakfast and lunch for the bulk of the summer. We add summer camp around it. And, uh, and then that first summer after we did free lunch, the parents came to us and said like, Thank you so much. This is amazing. This was a huge problem. But they said, we have another really big problem that we want you to help us with. And I said, well, what's that? And they said, uh, we are watching our children fall behind in school, even in a great school district, suburban school district. Right. Our children are falling behind, they told me. And I was real naive. Aaron, I admit at the time I said in 2007, I said, um, Again, I grew up with a lot of stuff going on in my home growing up, but I did not grow up worrying about food, clothing, or shelter. I, I was blessed to not have those concerns as a child. Yeah. So I said to the parents, I don't understand. Like, why are your children falling behind and mine aren't? And they said, Kim, we, we can't help our children with homework the way you help your children with homework. And they said to me, because of our own illiteracy, 
lack of English, lack of our knowledge. You know, the way we do math isn't, we get the right answer, but it's not the same way math is taught now. Right. Um, work schedules and lack of technology in our homes. People have talked about this gap of the internet. It's, they're calling it the fourth utility because you pretty much have to have it, especially okay, right. in school. Well, we've been talking about that gap with people socioeconomically since 2007. That technology gap has been huge um, since we've been at work. So in any case, we started after-school tutoring and homework help that grew into a three-generation family ESL program wow. where we have children from three-year-olds, babies, we call them affectionately our littles, um, from babies, toddlers, preschoolers, kindergarten through 18, parents and grandparents, that entire family can come to one place at one time and get the educational components they need to get out of poverty. Uh, And obviously the parents are learning English. We're doing homework with K through 18. And then the littles, uh, the number one way for them to be ready for kindergarten, which is their very best chance at success in life, is to learn English. So we are talking to them in English, we're singing to them in English, we're reading to them in English, and their little spongy brains are picking it straight up. So um, so that program grew out of summer lunch because the parents begged us and said that was their biggest concern. And they, they said, we know education is our child's way out of poverty. The parents said that to me. They're like, we get it. We know. Right. Our children are falling behind and they're not catching up. We need help. And they couldn't afford, you know, Sylvan Learning Center. Right. So let me let me take one step back and then I want to come back to how how we how you, how you all do it. Um, but before we get there, let me divert a little bit because my mind works that way. This takes a village to make this oh, yes. happen. Um, this was your vision and your vision, as you said, you, it's grown into a lot of other um, branches, so to speak, yes. on the tree. Um, but it takes a village of people. So how I have to assume that that's been as, as inspiring as anything to you is to have people say, I want to help. Uh, you, you're a nonprofit. Did I say that right? You're a nonprofit. And so people are doing, some people are doing this out of kindness of their heart. So to do what you just said, feed, feed, educate, um, all those things that you just mentioned, that's some people are doing this simply as a ministry. I mean, the, the very premise of your, your organization is a ministry. So what, how does that happen? Do people just come to you? Anyone driving on the street today, if they hear this, if they're in the Hilliard area, Columbus area, how, so, and I do want to get back to the actual application, but for now, this takes an army and I, and I assume that's also corporate partnership. So I know that's a really broad brush, but there's, a, it takes a lot of people for you to, to do what you do. Can you touch on those really quick? Absolutely. I mean, that second, the first call of my life, remember, was to love, serve, and feed the children, body, mind, and spirit. And the second was to bring the community with me. I didn't know what either of those two things meant at the time. And the second piece is exactly what you're saying. So from the beginning, our business model has never been like, let's raise a bunch of money, hire a bunch of people, and we'll do it all, which quite honestly is pretty much the paradigm of every other nonprofit. Right. Um, That's not our goal. That's never been our business model. Our business model is to have a skeletal staff on purpose and just enough so we have things safe and we all have direction of what we're headed toward. (laughs) Um, But then after that, we want to add on top of that central uh, staff, which is very small, um, hundreds, 
thousands of partners, churches, businesses, civic associations, um, community groups, and individual volunteers. We are averaging um, a thousand plus volunteers a year to do the work that we do. Wow. And you Um, need it. Is is that enough? Is that enough or do you need more? Oh, heavens no. It's never enough. So I keep saying we'll have enough volunteers when there's one-to-one ratio of the people we're serving and volunteer. Because think about it. If you come, we, we're all about relationships. Our top value is people are priority. Relationships are a goal. That's where life change happens, not just for the person that we are serving, but for us, for me, for you, for, uh, I mean, I, I need to be changed. Mm-hmm. I need to be more like Christ um, every single day. And, and so um, to, to have people in relationship with each other, the smaller ratios, the better, because I can't build a personal relationship with 185 children yeah. in one. It's right. it's just humanly impossible. Right. So for people that we have who come to serve and to build relationships with, with the children, with their parents, with the families, with each other, um, the more life change community building that happens. Uh, I love it when I go to Aldi grocery store and I hear Miss Kim because if awesome. I turn around, I'm going to see a sweet little face from the person because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they call me there. And they're like, Mom, this is Miss Kim from summer camp or from Family SL or whatever. Um, but, you know, that's where community is built. That's where we all know each other. And we realize we put our pants on the exact same way this morning. We want the same things for our families, safety. We want our children to grow up and uh, thrive and flourish. We all want the same things. Yeah. And we figure out that we're very more the same than we are different, though we have beautiful, stunning differences that we celebrate and learn from and enjoy. I, I say all the time, again, I've, I've never lived outside of Ohio my whole life. I lived in Northwest Ohio and Columbus. That's it. Uh, to, uh, Hilliard specifically. But I feel like I have traveled the world because God's brought the world to this ministry. And so through the relationships that he's allowed me to build with the children and their families, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been to Egypt and Iraq and Saudi Arabia and and all over through their eyes because I've gotten to know them, their food, their culture, their clothing, their speech, their accents. It's so rich, so beautiful. And um, I'm a better person of it. And so when we bring in community partners, whether it's a business, you know, BMW Financial Services was our very first partner. And they are tried and true partners to this day, financially with with their employees as volunteers. I've gotten to meet their high up uh, um, uh, senior and executive management that are even stationed in Germany. Uh, They have been an amazing partner to us. And we are able to work with Again, businesses, um, faith-based organizations, churches, anyone who wants to love and serve the community, we will work with you. We have worked with you and we will work with you. Um, So we want to bring everyone to the table to say, how can we, again, lift children out of poverty this generation? Wow. And, you know, Westwood is one of my, um, is my title sponsor and, um, you know, shout out to Westwood. They created Legacy Smokehouse uh, here in our town in Hilliard. And at the point of this is I ran into one of your staff who, who's a bundle of energy, by the way. Miss Erin is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I ran into Erin uh, uh, at um, 
Legacy Smokehouse. And I think they were providing lunch. It's just an example of one, somebody that came alongside and said, yeah. we're here, you know, and I don't even know what all that looks like on your side, but I know from my side, I ran into one of your staff who was picking up boxes of lunches that were provided by someone in our own town, Legacy Smokehouse. Yeah um for you know one of one of your summer lunches so you know and that's just one there, there i'm sure there's so many but what i want to tell you is you talked about being at aldi and um you know one day kim you you and your staff and all those that serve are going to turn around in heaven mm. and hear the name hey <laughs> miss kim because of what you're doing and that that's that I know is your real drive. It's not, it, it lunches, educate, all that stuff is wonderful. But what for you, this is eternal. And one day you're, and I know that's, there's an old song, an old like 80s Christian song that talks about when you get to heaven and, and seeing, but, but that is true. I believe there's, I really believe as a believer myself, the truth is when we get to heaven one day, the impact that we make, the investments we make today, and you're doing this on a daily basis for people that, you are, my mom used to always say, you are the only Jesus some people will ever see. And, yeah. and you are doing that on a daily basis. You are not only feeding um, with food, you're, you're feeding their soul. And and so yes. I think one day you'll get to heaven and there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of that, like you've experienced at Aldi. Um, there's going to be a whole line of people behind you because what you're doing. So I'm so thankful for that and everything that you're doing. I really am. Um, it oh, means, thank you so much. That's the beauty is I was just talking to, I had one of um, the local churches come for tour at our summer lunch camp yesterday. And they said, you know, when we ask our volunteers to come, you know, can they, um, you know, talk about the Lord? Can they pray with people? Can they, you know, is that sort of off limits? And I said, no, I mean, how, how often have I seen a child or a parent or a volunteer in tears? And I've listened with my heart and I've said, my gosh, you, you do have a big problem and I'm so sorry. I can't fix it, but I know that I know a big God who really loves you and he cares about every tear that you, that you weep. And I love to pray with you right now for him to bless you, for him to comfort you. Um, so we get the chance to, love people in a tangible way and in a spiritual way. And that's such an honor and such a privilege. And um, I had a mentor once who said to me, she's a Christian mentor. And she said, Kim, um, in your ministry, one of the biggest lessons you can learn, this was early on, she said, is how to love people deeply and loosely. Mm. And I said, what? Those are crazy words. Those are crazy words. They're almost two separate words. Because deeply, yeah. deeply means that it's not really connected. Loosely means oh. it's not really connected. Deeply means it's very connected. I'm sorry. Let me take it. Deeply means it's very connected. Because uh, I believe that. I believe we're. I believe our friends are either a mile deep and an inch wide, or they're an inch, an inch deep and a mile wide. We have a lot of friends that were really, you know, this shallow, yeah. or we have a small group of friends that are, you know, what I mean. Yeah. So those two words don't even connect. I'm sorry, go back. But no. That, no, those two words don't even connect. No. And she said, and I said that too. I said, that that's great. That's cuckoo talk. And she, <laughs> she said, only through Christ, though, is it possible because she said, the people that you love through this ministry, they're going to come and go. Mm. There, there are times they're going to move away. They're going to stop coming. You may never hear or see them again. And if you don't learn how to love them deeply, but loosely, 
it's going to break your heart and you're yeah. going to walk away. And she said, um, through Christ, you can love deeply, but loosely. Mm. And that way, when, uh, and knowing that each moment you have is an honor and a gift, and you don't come with an anticipation of a million more moments with that particular person, if you're given them, great. Right. If you're not, that's okay. God gave you a window into their life. You can always pray for them. And there are some children that I think of right now as I'm talking to you that I'll never forget that I've seen again. And they will constantly come into my heart and my mind and I'll pray for them. And God's at work. I, I can trust that. Even if I don't ever see that child again, I know that he knows what's going on and um, I can pray and uh, that he'll honor and hear hear that prayer. So it's it's beautiful to be able to um to love deeply, but loosely, because we can't control when people come and when they go and what their life's journey or path will be. But, um, but you're right. Hilliard is a very, very special town. It's where I sit. It's extremely diverse. I've had people say, it's not diverse at all. I'm like, come, come, come with me for a day. (laughs) I'll show you the diversity. Um, There's great diversity. Mm -hmm. in this community that I see every single day. Um, I got an opportunity to be on an HBO Real Sports uh, um, segment a couple years ago, and I took them for a drive. They put like eight um, uh, of those cameras in my car as I drove them around our town Um, because they said, like, where do the children in poverty live? This is a suburb. Like, I see a lot of really nice houses. So I drove them around to show them where the children families live where you just don't, you drive by every day and you never noticed. Yeah. You drove in, drove around and, and looked around. And, um, and I love that about our town because our country has done that uh, a dense poverty dynamic. Uh, I think we can all agree it doesn't work that well. So when you dis- disperse socioeconomic groups amongst each other, right. it's it's truly uh, affords those people an opportunity out of poverty. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It reminds yeah. me, I grew up in Cleveland and um, we had a train that ran through our town, much like Hilliard, but, um, it, but it was right through town. And so literally they, you know, tooted their horn when they were going through town and I would bring home friends from college and they'd be like, dude, how did you sleep with that train? And I'm like, what train? You know, yeah. Because I grew up there. And, and my point, I think, in that is that we we can become accustomed. It's like something in your house. You walk by all the time and then somebody new comes over and they go, man, I love that picture. You're like, what picture? You know, yeah. you walk by all the time. It's just like the train in town. You know, dude, how do you sleep with that train? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, what train are you talking about? Like, I forget because I think over time we, we become conditioned, I think is the word. Yeah. And I think we didn't do that in our own town. We become conditioned to yeah. the fact that we live in our neighborhood. Again, back to this point I, I said earlier, we, we live in our neighborhood with our cars and our whatever we have. And it's not until we're exposed to something. So let me ask you this. I think you probably know this off the top of your head. And if you don't, it's absolutely fine. What's the percentage of in Hilliard schools and God bless Hilliard schools. I love mm-hmm. me some Hilliard schools. I do. Um, I really do. They're the best. Um, and the best. I'll fight you otherwise. Uh, the, in Hilliard schools, what's the percentage of kids on free or reduced lunch? I know you gave me the it's number. About, you the percentage? Yeah, it's about uh, 23, 24%. It's almost one out of four. Wow. So uh, it's uh, the school district has a little over 16,000 children in it. 
Uh, statistically, that goes up and back a little bit, but not a lot. And again, it's creeped up to upwards of um, just under 4,000 individual children. And again, Dublin, Westerville, Gahanna, they all, Worthington, they're seeing the same um, growth of children facing poverty. And um, so it's, it's, it's again, a a true population shift. Uh, I was talking to a historian one time early on, and he, I was telling him about this population shift and poverty moving. And he said, Kim, do you ever watch HGTV? And I was like, of course, guilty pleasure. And he said, do you ever watch the international version? I'm like, of course, guilty pleasure. And so anyone on the show is rich, obviously they wouldn't be on the show if they weren't. And he said, when you watch the European ones, where are they buying their residences? I said, oh, like the big cities, London, Paris. And he said, exactly. He said, well, Europe is older than us. And this is a normal thing. So wealth used to live in the big cities in Europe. Then it moved out, Downton Abbey. Now it's moved back in. And he said, our country's young. It's just the first time we've ever done it. Mm. But if you go downtown to Columbus or other urban cities across the country, you will see the regentrification of right. those areas. Right. And, and most people don't ask themselves like, hmm, where did the people in poverty go? Right. Like they right. didn't just instantly start making money and not be in poverty anymore. <laughs> so right. Oh, that's they so just literally so moved. That's so rich. And I want to I want to say it again because I, I think it's so powerful. So if there's four kids walking down a hallway, one of them is 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 counting on breakfast and lunch for nine months coming from the school. Yeah. Like think about that. Just anybody listening to this, please think about that for a minute. Just take a minute and think about that. One out of four kids walking down that hallway need breakfast and lunch to come from school because dinner's not happening. No. Like, and then, it, right. and then, as soon as the bell goes off at the last day of school, there's not a meal, not a meal that is counted on, or or even even they're not sure where it may come from. And tell, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, Kim, but there's not a meal that will be um, uh, planned until the next August when they get back to school and they get breakfast and lunch again. Is that fair? Am I saying that the right way? Yeah, I would say it this way: it's a hardship. So a family isn't saving for nine months for those three months. Right. Hardship. So then if money has to be shifted for the grocery bill to increase, then it goes away from somewhere else. So that, and I have to say this, I've been doing this for 15 summers and in our family ESL program, we feed the children every night they're with us. So I, in effect, we feed people year round children facing poverty. I've never met a starving to death child. Hmm. Let me say that. I have not met one in our community. I have met children who are not getting three healthy meals a day um, that are, especially toward the end of the month, getting a whole lot less than that. I've I've met a lot of children who are eating um, the cheapest food, which I don't know if you've ever played this game with yourself, but take your grocery list. And I, I presume you make a grocery list, make a grocery list. And cut your budget in half. So if you normally would have spent $150 on groceries, um, cut it in half to 75 and go to the grocery store with the same list. Yeah. Cut to the chase. What happens is you end up in the um, the aisles, the, I'm sorry, the rows of the grocery store, which, uh, uh, spoiler alert, high salt, high fat, high sugar. Yes. 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 You don't end up in the perimeter of the grocery store, which is the most healthy food. Right. And so that's where families are forced to purchase from. Wow. And 
Um, uh, we also, we do uh, facilitate poverty simulations because helping the suburban community, the vast majority of which, of whom have never been poor in their lives. So they don't really understand poverty. They might have a heart for it, but they don't understand it. They have a lot of myths and fallacies in their mind around it. We do poverty simulations to help people like that, like me, again, I didn't grow up in poverty, to truly understand what poverty is and how to attend to it in a way that is a hand up, um, not a handout in a way that's not inadvertently breaking the people and their souls who we're trying to help, um, not creating dependency that people can't then get out of. Um, So I say that because when, um, when we are working with children and families, we're trying to, again, meet the need, but do it in a way that is full of respect, full of dignity, full of, um, quite honestly, not doing something for a grown-up that they could do for themselves. Yeah. Because otherwise, we as very loving and caring people could make a problem worse. And, And quite honestly, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we have made the problem of poverty worse by doing things in the past that were not, uh, that were more of um, uh, handouts well beyond the emergency moment um, and created dependency. And that's why we have generational poverty. So, um, so we try to help educate the big hearted suburban people (laughs) who are wonderful and care desperately about their neighbors. I've had more people over 14 years say to me, Kim, I'll send money to the other side of the planet to the child whose tummy is distended. Like I care about that. Yeah. Yeah. I care a lot about my neighbors 100%. who my children go to school with who mm-hmm. are struggling. And so we're trying to help those neighbors again, use their big hearts and goodwill um, and finances and time and talent to serve and help in a way that doesn't hurt the people that we're trying to help. Right. And, uh, and that's a big deal to us because, again, we don't want to, uh, my grandmother, and I think a lot of grandmothers used to say this to a lot of us, um, leave things better than you found them um, or the same, but yeah. goodness gracious, don't leave them worse. And it Not was, worse, right. but I, I think the same principle applies here. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. In some situations, we'd be better off to do nothing mm-hmm. than do harm. Right. And so Sometimes big-hearted people, again, they don't do it on purpose. There's no malintent. But without thinking it through, without understanding, they can, in fact, cause more harm than good. Good, Walk away kind of patting themselves on the back, feeling good about it, but they are not engaged long enough to see the harm they created. And so that's something that we care a lot about because, uh, again, as believers, we care about the soul of the human. More yes. um, than their right this second, you know, problem. Even we care about their soul. We don't want to break any person. Uh, we want to empower them and not disempower them. And uh, and that's a really important way about which we go around the work that we do. We we again everything we have through the lens of is this a hand up? Is this full of respect? Full of dignity? Yeah. Um, and I'll give an example. We have a good tidings Christmas store and we decided years back that um, just handing out free toys wasn't something that we were going to do. We don't think toys are a basic need. Right. They're lovely, 
but they're not food, clothing, or shelter. And so we decided that to do it as a store, ask the parents to um, give 10% of the retail value was really a hand up. And I'll never forget um, the first year, uh, the dads who came up to me at that store, specifically the men and who came real close and said, thank you so much. Like I know already I can't provide. Right. I know that. And I feel horrible about it. Yeah. Yeah. But to be able to give what I can mm-hmm. pick it out myself and wrap it and take it home and put it under the tree. He's they, they I mean, with, you can imagine emotion. Yeah. Well, yeah. said, thank you so much for doing it like this. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because there's a sense of pride. I still provide I'm oh. as a dad, as a, as a, as a mom, yeah. uh, as a provider for my family. I, I don't necessarily need a handout. I need to know that I provided. And if I, even at this, to your point, even if it was 10%, my kids don't need to know that, but I know that I worked really hard. It's not that nobody asks for this. I I don't know, you know, and I think what, what you all are providing is an opportunity for me to still provide and have a little bit of pride in the fact that I was able to provide whatever gift that might've been, and I, I paid something. I My work right. was worth something. And that gives me value as a person. And that value then carries me um, to, to keep going, you know? That's right. I don't know. I, and I, you're, you're in the world much more than I am. And you, you've really transitioned well for me to how do we, and you just covered this, and I want to make sure we do this right away. How do we not only help, how can anyone listening to this help in a way that is helpful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I mean, gosh, our website, wearefesta.org, our handles are wearefesta.org on everything. You can find us easily. Um, and we, uh, which by the way, I'm just a little shameless plug for our rebrand, but uh, we rebranded because our name was Serving Our Neighbors Ministries officially, but my name's Kimberly. No one calls me. They call me Kim. And so that Serving Our Neighbors Ministries was a lot of words and people shortened it to Sun Ministries, which was okay. But over time, people really didn't understand what we did or why we did it. They couldn't really explain it well. So we chose a name that really captures what it feels like when we all get together mm. and mm. focuses on the assets of all of us getting together instead of the need that we're here to fill and focuses on that, uh, again, that thriving of the people when we all come together. Um, so having said that, um, uh, we our uh, website, our social media is full of how people can get involved because again, that is our MO. We want to engage the community to build relationships with their neighbors, neighbors who um, on the surface might seem super different from them. Socioeconomically, culturally, racially, ethnically, they might seem different. They probably don't know each other yet, but they can come and meet each other. And uh, like I said before, like me, just have their life explode uh, with richness of knowing people really awesome and different. And so they can come volunteer. We have volunteer in-person opportunities year round. And I mean, for teenagers, for adults, for adults with their school-aged children, uh, so many places will not let school-aged children volunteer. They can like give something and kind of stand on the sidelines and be like, what's going on over there? Yeah, right, right. Here at Vesta, we want the school-aged children to come with their grownups. 
We want them to serve. We want them to build relationships. I mean, my children are such good examples. This is where they grew up. This is the only life they've ever known. And I mean, they would go to school. They come to summer camp, meet new children every summer, go back to school, and they'd come back on the first day of school. And they every year they'd come back and go, guess who's in my class? You know, such and such from summer camp. Awesome. Um, know each other before that. They went to the same school. They didn't know each other, but they knew each other now because they spent time at summer camp together. And that's why we want children to come and volunteer with their grownups. Teenagers can come and be a teen intern. If they commit to 10 days or more, they can come without their grownup and we'll pour into them in terms of leadership. Oh, life change that's happened. We've had teenagers that have grown into um, uh, full-time missionaries and said, this is where God broke their heart. Wow. People groups. Yeah. So it's really profound and the change is just amazing. Um, so people can do it that way. The other way people can get involved, obviously we covet prayer. If you want to pray for us, start right now. Pray for us every day at <laughs> nine o'clock. There's so much that can go wrong when you group hundreds of children together, hundreds of people and families together. There's a lot that can go wrong. Um, and we, we just covet your prayer. That is a huge way that people can be involved. Uh, we pray as a group every Tuesday from 9 to 9.30. We were doing Zoom well before COVID to pray. So you can be wherever you want to be and you could join us for 30 minutes and we pray about the Hilliard City School District community specifically. And we, anyone who wants to join us, to join us, again, you can call in, you can Zoom in uh, and pray out loud with us and uh, cover the community in prayer. Another way people can be involved, uh, we need some stuff, stuff like children's books, uh, recreational supplies, a lot of kickballs land on rooftops. <laughs> like we, <Nice. laughs> um, so we need all kinds of recreational supplies. We have a wish list on our website. We have a healthy non-perishable food list, which is a little bit of an oxymoron, but I can't predict the future yet. And so I don't know every single day how many children are coming to our lunch camp and we have to order lunches every day. So we're never exactly right. So we ask people to give us healthy non-perishable foods so that if we don't guess right, we never have to say to a child, sorry, sweet pea, I don't have any lunch for you today. Yeah. So that food is really important to us. And if we ever have leftover, we donate it to the Hilliard Food Pantry so it will never go to waste. Um, that's another way people can help. Uh, and uh, again, we have a wish list on our website of the stuff. Uh, we are a nonprofit. So I ask people every single day to make a financial and no donation is too small. I was at um, a gathering and a teenager heard me say that. And she said, and no donation is too big. And I said, Absolutely. that's right. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, and we, uh, we're really transparent about our financials. We run on a shoestring. Anyone who works for us can tell you Kim Emsh is one of the cheapest people on the planet. Um, I want to do things on a half of a shoestring. And so we, we hate spending money. We only spend it when we have to. And we spend it on the programs for the children and families and for um, some staff who are amazing to be that skeletal team to lead the masses to run the programming. But uh, but yeah, those are ways that people can be a part of this and anyone can join no matter what your age. Uh, one of our some of our favorite volunteers ever have been in their 80s. Wow. Some people will say like, oh, I'm not a kid person. I had a man who said that his wife had passed away. He was a widow, very, very lonely and depressed. They'd been married over 60 years. Um, and he, his children who live out of state said, "You, dad, you have to get out of the house. Like, this is not good for you. So he found us, started volunteering. And I'll tell you, 
I have a video on my phone that's one of my favorite all-time videos of him. The children were running in the gymnasium during summer camp playing uh, our version of live Mario Kart. <laughs> Can't wait to Super see Super fun. <laughs> oh, it's a blast. Um, live Mario Kart, and everybody gets it. The music's playing. It's so much fun. He, we, we make a, um, a track with chairs, and that's what they run in. Uh, and so he's sitting on one of the chairs in his 80s. And, the, and he's cheering the children on and just, oh, you're so great. You can do it. And they're running past him. And I swear in the video, you can see the life force mm-hmm. from the children going into his body. I mean, right. I'm telling you and vice versa. Yeah. It, it's, it's so beautiful. So nobody is too old. Mm-hmm. Nobody is too whatever, whatever you think you are. I grew up my whole life saying, I love young people, but I'm not cool enough. Yeah, I said that my whole life. I'm not cool enough to be in like youth ministry or with children. They they'll think I'm too, you know, staunchy or whatever. I'm not cool enough. I'm not one of those people. And where God put me, and uh, I I love them, and they seem to love me. So anyone can do this, and um, you'll be amazed at the richness that the children bring to you. You'll think you're coming to help them, and you'll find out super quickly that they're helping you. Yeah, for sure. And I would think that that even, you know, the older ages, like you mentioned, 80 years old, that's a different time. And and I think there's an understanding of a different time when, you know, right now I can go get a burger for 99 cents if I need to. And that's not always the case. Life was a lot different. Even, you know, I grew up in the eighties dating myself, but um, I grew up in the eighties. Eighties was a lot different. Even then it was the age of excess, right? My parents didn't grow up in the eighties. They grew up when life was different. And now it's multiplied multiple times. Um, I want to say it one more time. We are Festa, F-E-S-T-A.org. Is that correct? We are Festa.org. So that is the link. Go there. Everything else will be there. Um, The other thing I want to say, do you have any partners that you want to shout out? Because I guarantee there's a ton of partners um, that work with you and, and you don't have to mention them. What, what, mention as many as you want. This platform is yours. Yeah. But I got to think there's some big time partners that step behind you. We have so many partners. And like you said, I, I don't want to leave anyone out, but I'll say right. it this way. We, our church partners are so close to our heart and we partner with big churches, little churches. Um, some of our, our biggest church partners are UALC, the church at Mill Run, Rock City Church, Movement Church, Veritas, Cornerstone, um, um, uh, Resurrection Evangelical Lutheran, Hilliard Church of Christ. We just have so many churches that we work with. And again, um, I say to pastors, we exist so you can press the easy button. Yeah. I say to pastors, um, let me guess. Do you have the spiritual gifts of administrating huge programs for thousands of people? And they usually go like this. Like, yeah, you have the gift of wisdom, of mercy, of teaching, um, shepherding, but not that. We, that's what Vesta is full of. Yeah the spiritual gift of administrating huge programs with thousands of people. Um, Press the easy button. We can work together. You don't have to recreate a wheel. Uh, We can work together. Uh, Then you talk about our our partnerships. You know, the Hilliard City School District is an amazing partner of ours. In fact, just before we got on this this podcast, I was texting our staff saying, uh, please, how do we thank the custodians in the Mm -hmm that we're running programs in this year. These custodians, these bus drivers, I mean, 
they're the unsung heroes. They are amazing. They love the children. They're not just in it for a paycheck and to do their job. They really, really, the principals, the teachers, the administrators, they're so passionate about the children. Um, It oozes from them. And we're really honored to partner with them. Uh, from busing that we pay for through the school district to buildings that we run programs inside of uh, and, and, you know, $100,000 playgrounds that the children get to play in because they partner with us. It's, it's a partnership that we can't even put a dollar value on. It's just so valuable. And, and we hope that it's a two-sided valuable because we're helping those children after school and in the summer so that when they go to school, they can better focus on learning and that's what they want too. And that's what we want too. So it takes a village. It's, it's no longer that a school district can do it itself. The children come with too many needs when they're facing poverty, too many needs. And, and um, you know, the, the school district is paid for by the government. The government can't do it all. They were never designed to do it all. Right. Um, and, and that's where we can come in. We love our partners. We have restaurateurs, Cameron Mitchell, um, is a partner of our ministry. His company is a partner of our ministry. Um, Tom Lennox, the founder of Pelotonia, is a founder of our or is a partner of our ministry. Uh, we have again other restaurants. Uh, Fernando Morales uh, Vaquero is a partner of our ministry. Uh, um, and and BMW Financial Services. Adam H. We work with the Mental Health Association here in Central Ohio. They are amazing. Uh, they grant to us. They give us amazing curriculum around social emotional mental health. We partner with Children's Hospital. They help teach our our staff, um, you know, about crises with children, how to sniff out mental distress. We have counseling groups, Nemeth Counseling and uh, Crossroads Counseling. Uh, there are times we need to refer people to counselors wow. and, and we have phone a friends yeah. that will take children and families because we asked. Yeah. Uh, um, so I could go on and on. The list yeah. is so long. We do list on our website, our partners. And, and again, yeah. okay. it just goes on and on and on. Um, the Ohio State Marching Band this past school year was a special guest. They did a special presentation virtually for the children at our learning extension, our homework help centers. Um, they were so excited to join with us. We, we have OSU uh, social work interns every year. We partner with Ohio food banks. We get AmeriCorps Vistas through them. Wow. Uh, again, the list just goes on yeah. and on and on. But it, it's this from day one. We, we've never wanted to do it by ourselves. We knew we couldn't do it by ourselves. It's not our goal to do it by ourselves. We want to work together and bring the community together into a space where we all thought maybe we couldn't work together because we had like differences. Right. But we've tried to say, listen, it, 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 we, if we can have our main event in common, yeah. we want to help children and families out of poverty and to move toward thriving. Yeah. Um, we can let the other stuff that we don't necessarily all agree on filter to the sides. Yeah. We don't have to have that be the main event. And, and I think that gives God such glory because let's be honest, even just churches working together, I don't mean to be rude, but you don't see it often. Um, Not often, no. Tired no. senior right. pastor of my home church, UALC, um, has said to me early on, he said, Kim, I've been in this business as a pastor 
in uh, my whole career. And you is one of the biggest Lutheran churches across the country. Right. And so I know a lot of people in ministry. He said, I have never, ever in my whole career across the country seen this many churches work together as what little old Kim Ebsch has been able to pull up, up yeah. pull together. He said, I've just never seen it. And I've seen a lot of great people try hard after it. And I said, it's just God. I mean, again, we're, we're not talking about, um, you know, what our differences are. Mm-hmm we don't agree with we're focused on we can agree we do right space and how do we show people that um the child is the the pinnacle the child is the important one and we could work together and we can and we do i mean there's so much you said there and and what i I, gosh, there, there's a million, and, and I know it what, probably wasn't a fair question for me to ask for your list of partners because I'm sure there's a lot. It takes a village, as you said a few times, to pull this off. So those are also on your website. Anyone listening to this, volunteer opportunity, just just go to the website. We are festa.org, and uh, F F is in Frank, E S T is in Tom, A. We are festa.org. Go to the website. Um, you can hear Kim's passion. You know, it's amazing what you've done. You're, you know, you and I've run into each other multiple times in different circles, and and um, I'm thankful you're in our city. Um, I'm thankful that you have answered this call on your life. This is a calling, and you have answered it, and um, you are running with it. And and again, I know one day you're going to turn around and hear that same thing you heard at Aldi's that day. And there's going to be a line of not only children, but their parents and others behind you um, because of the work that you and your team have done mm-hmm. on your behalf as well. And I know you'd shout out your team too. Um, oh, so yeah. I, what a blessing uh, that you are to our city. What a blessing you are to so many families and children. And um, thank you so much for your time. Cause it, I just want, you know, I, again, I'm glad I'm just honored to be able to share your story with, with this audience. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much for having us. And um, yeah, I'll also our website, I'll just give another plug. We've worked really hard in the last multiple years. We're lifting up two new things uh, that would be revenue streams that would help our nonprofit be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And one is a training department. We've been teaching other communities how to do this in their town. Nice. Uh, now we'll do it in a really effective and concrete way uh, through conferences, through virtual training, online training. Um, and we have a heart to serve people across the country. We think every community should have a free lunch camp and a three-generation ESL program. For sure. uh, we can teach people how to do it. We've taught people how to do it. We know we can. We've documented it all. Um, so we're going to be teaching other communities how to do this. So if listeners are live in a different community and they uh, say, gosh, I, I wonder if there are children in poverty in my town, or maybe I know there are, what can I do? Or maybe there are new Americans who are really struggling in my town. What can I do? Uh, we would want to teach you. So you could go to our website. There's information about that too. And then secondly, we've lifted up um, what would be akin to Pelotonia's bike ride. Uh, right. We have, uh, invented the Festa dinner party. Nice. And it's a way that you could invite your friends and family to your home. You can literally serve your neighbors in your own home. Um, and you can talk about this mission and look on a map to see the communities asking us to come run programming in their town. And you can raise money at your dinner party and you can sponsor 
one of those communities so they could have free lunch camp or family ESL in their town. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and, and I know you're not even done. You're just getting started. You're scratching <laughs> the surface because God's not done. You know, you've, you've shown yourself faithful in the, the, what he's given you already. And guess what? Again, bring the rain. Uh, it's, there's more coming, Kim, because you, you've shown yourself faithful in, in what he's given you already, and he's going to continue to multiply that. Not only on the, you know, the um, uh, volunteers and the partners and all the things mm-hmm. that you've mentioned, but I think he's probably going to ask, okay, I've given, you know, you've been faithful in this much. I'm going to ask you for more because that's just the way that our God works. And um, I know you're going to answer each call of that because it's not about any of the things other than, you know, making heaven full and, and changing yeah. the score for people that just aren't able to do that. Or, you know, they are able to do it. They just need somebody to, to believe in them and, and, and offer, yeah. as you said, a hand up. Um, and, and that's, I love what you all do. I really do. I'm so thankful for your time today. I really am. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. All right. Well, we'll do it again. And um, you all have a free platform. I can't offer much, but what I can offer is a platform for FESTA and for yourself and really anyone from FESTA um, to come on and just continue to keep us updated, you know, with needs. With uh, with with exciting stories because I'm sure we didn't even get a chance to do that yet uh, to tell a ton of I'm sure there's so many stories you can tell and I would so love many. to know those Sunday so open platform you're always welcome back on unscripted that would be so great we have this summer uh, hired in our seasonal staff some children who have grown up in our camp and go. now yeah. are being paid staff for us which wow. is pinnacle. I keep telling them, I want you to come and take my job someday. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah, There you go. Well, Kim, we're so proud of you from our city and and, uh, I'm honored to call you my friend and thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. We will talk soon. Thank you, Kim. This has been the latest episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad, from his studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll be back with another great guest soon. We'll see you next time.